Welcome to episode 298 of the Grid Talk podcast. And today we are here to review qualifying for the 2023 Austrian Grand Prix. My name is Lou Edwards and joining me today is a solo guest and it is Phil Matthew from the Grid Strip podcast. Hello, hello. But as always, before we get into this episode, we must thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, line, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use our mobile device uh, or your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And after the paid promotions out of the way, uh, a little bit of personal promotion for us on uh, the Grid Talk podcast. We have changed our socials and we are starting a new social campaign. So you can now find us at Grid Talk UK on all social media platforms. That is Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, and even our YouTube handle is at Grid Talk UK. Uh, and also, of course, our big live event is happening on Sunday, um, join, you know, Tom Downey or Wayne, George, Sophia, all in Manchester. All the details for that are on our socials. Make sure to check it out. It's sure to be a great day. Watch uh, the race live with our hosts and then also stay around and be a part of our first ever live audience for a podcast. Right. So now we've gone through all of that, Phil. Uh, let's get on with qualifying. Qualifying yep. on Friday, of course, because of the um, the new sprint format. This is not for the sprint tomorrow. This is for the actual race actual on Sunday. Race. But um, Sunday is going to be a day to dread for someone like uh, Nick DeFries because a lot of pressure at the moment on Nick, um, whether justly or unjustly that some people feel, you know, he's in his first proper season of Formula One. But... We know what Helmut Marco's like, and then sticking it P20 at effectively Red Bull's home race is not a great way to go about things. Yeah, for Nick DeVries, even with his, one of his close friends uh, trying to speak up for him and give him words of advice, uh, it's not looking good for AlphaTauri. They're trying to make changes there. And, um, I mean, Yuki Sonoda missed out on on advancing to Q2 as well. So a very bad day for the junior outfit uh, whether whatever they're trying to do, they can change a name, they can change people, they can make it the uh, the clone of the Red Bull, but they're not Red Bull, uh, and they never have been. Um, they've been more of a kind of like a, a disaster area where everyone gets left, and then they end up getting fired, and they end up doing well at once they leave Red Bull. The vast majority of them. So, um, unfortunately for Yuki Sonoda. Today, I think he could have gone into Q2 and considering all the stuff that happened later in Q2, might have had a chance later on. Um, but for Nick DeVries, it's it's not been pretty for him this year and um, disappointing, uh, honestly. But I, I also take it with a grain of salt in that Pierre Gasly last year was in this team and he had won. He's a Formula One Grand Prix winner. He's been with that team for many years and he looked ordinary in that team. So, I mean, we have to look at it with that sense, but 
nobody really has given Marco or Toast or whoever runs that team now and, and all them other geniuses credit for actually having patience or um, logic in regards to driver um, cho- choices and development. Yeah, I mean, we've we've heard some pretty strong stuff from Helmut Marco this um, this week in general, which has surely not helped the um, the situation. But you know, in terms of Yuki, we've we've actually become fairly accustomed to him doing putting in some good performances uh, of late. It feels like a bit more of a blip, I would say, than um, than what we kind of come to expect from Nick DeFries this uh, this season. Yeah, I would say that Yuki also feels the pressure. He knows Owasa has been running really well in F2. They have a lot of potential uh, talent that's out there, Liam Lawson being another one. And and if you're going to go and make a move and decide to start over again, they have options. Uh, and And it's not like, I mean, I don't feel great for some of those options, but they have options. So... Um, Yuki is trying to prove that he deserves to be around still. If he's going to be or not, we're going to determine here over the next uh, two-thirds of the season uh, because he's had a few years in Grand Prix racing. So, um, I mean, Honda wants a Japanese driver, so he has that in his favor. Uh, But we will see what happens. There's a lot going on with that team uh, behind the scenes, and it's not going to help when you got a lot of stuff going on overall you can't compete on a week-to-week basis in this sport uh from top to bottom yeah and uh, another team that's a uh, kind of source of getting used to um seeing down there is Haas. but you know we see a lot of um a lot of huge gaps between teammates um in this sort of qualifying main maybe you could put it down to track limits so we'll touch on that later but Kevin Magnussen P19 Nico Hulkenberg P8 you know 11 places different and this isn't really a first time we've seen this we've seen it quite a lot where Hulkenberg has managed to get something out of this house that Kevin Magnussen just hasn't been able to do so like why do you like potentially think that is you know given that this is Hulkenberg's first season back in Formula 1 I think it's a mirror, Louis, of what happened last year. I think Kevin Magnuson came out of, came back from running Indy cars and IMSA, fresh, feeling good about things, came back into the team. They're like, we're so glad to have you back. We're, we needed to get rid of you know who. So now we have you. We know you're steady. And it was fresh and new. And uh, they, it doesn't, I mean, it's Haas. So you know they don't make, the greatest of upgrades are not putting in as much into it. It's across the board. Anything that Gene Haas owns in terms of motorsports is not exactly doing great these days. Um, Kevin Magnuson this year, I don't know what happened. Uh, last year, he qualified on pole at Brazil, you know, like he had great moments last year. And his teammate spent a lot of time in the wall. And they're like, well, he can't, you can't do that. And that's not good for our team. And, That's fine and well, but when you have a guy who's a capable hand, somebody who has been a okay point scorer and is steady and he's in one time zone and you have the other guy in the other, granted Nico's race pace and craft has not been great this year, granted probably because of the car, but I don't know what you think about that, Louis, but I think that 
Nico's great on one lap. I think he's always been that way over his entire career. Um, Magnuson has never been known as a great qualifier, and uh, he's more of a, a race uh, driver. So the car is not the greatest car. They're in that bottom four teams for a reason. So you just have to go and beat within that group. And um, they've all scored points at this point. So uh, it's really trying to stay ahead for, you know, for Magnuson, make the most out of the situation, work on hard tires on Sunday and uh, try to go long, see if safety car, something comes out and then um, try to get close to the points because uh, we're going to be talking about a, at least one team here that is starting to move up uh, the ladder here very quickly. Uh, then it's a nice thing to see, I would say, for people who have been fans for a long time. Yeah, we'll get straight on to them because Williams, Alex Albon, is showing really what we all saw at you know when he was at Toro Rosso before he got the Red Bull seat why he was chosen for that and I think it is really clear to see now in hindsight just how early in his career he was promoted to the Red Bull you can see very clearly now that he was not ready for it and now he's taken a sabbatical he's come back into F1 wiped the floor with Latifi last year who was already in that team of course, it's probably a little unfair to compare teammates this season because Sergeant is in his first um, season. But Albon, P10, could have been higher. He Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he had his lap time deleted. But we're seeing this Williams and Alex Albon is just clicking and it's working and it's just amazing to see. Yeah, James Val's going in that higher was a great job by Doralton to get him in there. Uh, they're, they've been behind. He said that they're a lot of their technology and a lot of things they got going on are going back two decades, which is back in the BMW days when Juan Pablo Montoya was there with Ralph Schumacher. Uh, I mean, and I'm a JPM fan, but the fact is they were good in 2003 and they are where they are now. Um, yeah, it's typical. We were talking about that a few minutes ago about Alpha Tori, right? about how they judge their their situation. Well, here's exhibit A, exhibit A of what what shows how great of judgment and they have in terms of their drivers. And we're going to talk about another one here too. Those are two guys that they basically chewed up, spit out, said they can't drive, they're terrible, they don't belong here, none of that. The guy's driving theoretically the worst car on the grid, theoretically. And he's getting Q3 appearances, just like his bestie George Russell was doing a couple two two year three yeah two years ago or whatever. He's getting stuff out of the car that he shouldn't be getting out of it, and it's it speaks to his talent, his ability, and his personality. The team he fits the team, and that it all kind of is a good balance. He's going to be there for a while. I think they're going to build around him, and it's a great thing. Uh, for for Thailand, if they want to go to Thailand, I think now they have a great opportunity because now he's starting to really show himself. And his, he's a very uh, outgoing guy. Logan is struggling on, on qualifying pace. The lack of practice today didn't help. Uh, I know that qualifying has never exactly been great for him either. He showed at times in F2 and F3 that he could, but he's more of a racer as well. He does better in the race. If he can fit, he just trying to switch those tires on, get it right. 
um, has been tough for him. And I feel bad because, you know, obviously the American guy, I want him to succeed. Seeing how this car is now, he has the upgrades. I feel like by the second later in the season, we'll finally start to see that progress. It's taking, it's slow. Um, you know, people will be like, well, they got rid of Latifi. I mean, Latifi was in that team for what, three, four years? I don't know how many years the guy was around. I mean, he was just like Stroll. And so it's like, how many years do you need? The guy is a raw rookie, has been in F2 two years, one of those years of one of the worst teams, and one year of F2. F3, two years, F2, one year. I mean, the guy's raw, and uh, there's a lot of potential there, and Val's uh, believes in him, and I think the team believes in him as well. So um, Alex Albon's carrying the torch for for Williams, and it's a great thing uh, for that organization. They have a lot of good things working. Um, I think they kind of want to steady how many points they score so they don't lose as much development time so that they can build even further into 2024 and um and see what happens with that mm, then it's, you know it's like i try not to judge their drivers too much on their first season even you know back when we had the absolute misery of having to watch her nikita mazepin uh hustling around um uh and it's hard so i don't want to judge him too much for his first season but you know logan th- there is clearly potential there we've seen it you know he was looking good in practice earlier today this clearly he is starting to to meld with that uh that williams car a bit better and you know you're talking about albon doing similar thing to russell well he out qualified russell today so yeah uh it's an absolute um amazing job uh now on to uh alfa romeo and unfortunately there's just not a whole lot you can say about alfa romeo they're kind of sat in the middle of that zero point sort of backfield yeah, they don't look particularly quick. They're not really in the hunt for points tomorrow. Uh, with Bottas in P14 and Joe in P17. Um, I mean, they get another crack at it tomorrow for the uh for the sprint qualifying and the sprint race. But on Sunday, you you're not really going to be holding up much hope for them. Yeah, this track doesn't fit or suit their car, and when you have a a guy who is basically a an expert a master at austria spinning off of turn one and causing a red flag early in q1 uh not sure how far it compromised botas is qualifying he was able to advance the q2 but the guy has done some of his best work in his career at this racetrack and he's only 14th the car doesn't fit this track by any means um you'll say well it's for fat they are great on long like long straightaways but there are tight corners in between all those long straightaways. <laughs> and if you have no grip and you can't accelerate off of those corners, uh, you're going to have an issue. So um, it's a race by race basis, especially, I mean, I think we could say that for a lot of the teams, um, even getting further towards the front, but for Alfa Romeo, this year has not been as good by any by compared to last year i think joe has made progress but of course today didn't have the greatest qualifying um yeah i mean when botas spun out in q1 i think that was basically a microcosm of what their whole entire day was going to be um we'll see what they can do in the sprint if they qualify a little further up front but they're not really competing for points this weekend they're waiting for uh, Silverstone or France or wherever uh, to 
or spa even to to compete in that sense yeah um it's it's just not great and i think they're probably even holding out a bit longer that just waiting for a lot of uh um Aldi money to come their way they just got to steady the ship until then yeah um i'll be honest i'll skip red bull for now i'll talk about them later because uh paris uh did have an absolute shocker but i don't think we need to be talking about them just yet so we'll move on to mclaren um oscar piastri p13 lando norris p4 and i've seen a lot um you know a lot of criticism of lando norris over the course of the season i'm not sure where it's come from but a lot of people are like see he's not as good as we think it is see, he's not doing a... but he's p4 and a mclaren that has just got some new upgrades but it's still nowhere near as competitive as it should be and he's right there only a couple of tenths behind max verstappen around one of the fastest tracks um that we see on the f1 calendar you got to give him props because he's doing a tremendous job wringing every single tenth out of that McLaren. I know that uh, amongst our crew, there's plenty of people who root for McLaren and root for Lando Norris. And this is one of his best tracks. He did get his maiden podium finished there. He's qualified really well there. He had the upgrade package, of course, and that's made a big difference, especially on this circuit. Uh, he has a teammate that is very hungry and is the real deal as well. Um, I think that as much as anything has kind of changed the game a little bit for Lando. Um, no offense to Carlos, no offense to some of his other teammates he's had over the years, Daniel Ricardo. I mean, but I think Oscar Piastri is somebody who can hold him equal and accountable and uh, today, this is one of his best racetracks, and he had new upgrades, and he went out there and showed what he can do. And that's good for McLaren. They need that in their battle. I mean, I don't. They're probably not going to. They're definitely not catching Aston Martin, but they're they need it in their battle with uh, Alpine, um, right there in that middle of the road, the 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 second tier. Um, I mean, Ferrari's kind of in that realm too with Al, with with Aston, but uh, you know, Piastri, you know, track limits, whatever. Uh, unfortunate. I think he'll be able to move up though in the in the race, and if they call good strategy, he can get a point. Um, Lando, it's just kind of maintain and try to be around those Alpines. Um, that's his that's his race, really. Um, because we know what's going to happen in the race, especially at the front. Yeah. Yeah, we, we it certainly do. It's kind of written in the stone of the F1 season, well, the 2023 season, that there's just not, um, there's only usually only one way that races go these days. Um, but as you said, uh, the Alpines, um, Gasly is down in P9. Um, Ocon even further down in P12 didn't, quite make it um yeah it's, it's i don't i'm not sure how you'd feel if you were alpine because if you look at the drivers that are in front of you only really norris holkenberg you're probably a little further away from the aston martins that you really would have wanted to be and so you can't be too disappointed because they are still very much in you know in play for 
you know, decent points. And that's all that they really need to be guessing at this point in the season. Yeah, I think for for Ocon, it just never seemed like he was able to put it together today in in the one lap pace. Um, Gasly had pace and his it's he's had a hit or miss a career there, of course, being a Red Bull driver. That's this is yet another example of a guy they dumped out. Uh, well, he finally bailed because he was sick of it um, after years of being basically used. And um, he's figuring it out with this team. And Ocon's been there for many years. Um, they're there. And now they have a huge investment. This is for the, uh, the week, a few days after that big announcement. Um, kind of a disappointing qualifying, I would say. But I would also say that they can make moves in the race to get both those cars in the points. Uh, they are ahead of one of the McLarens. They are ahead of or they're in the mix with one of the Mercedes. I mean, there, there's, there's a opportunity there. I, I didn't think Ocon really put together the best qualifying he could have. Um, Gasly, it could have been better. Uh, Stroll pulled one out of the hat late. Um, a couple other people did too. So I mean, that's I think that qualifying run of not P nine, if it's P six or seven, I think we can be a little happier with that. But I think they can work with that and and go on into the sprint uh, qualifying with uh, at least a baseline to maybe move both those cars up into the top 10 for the sprint. Yeah, I think that's where the, they'll certainly be looking. It's, it's kind of like these, one of these rare sort of instances in Formula 1 where you actually do get another chance at it. You know, you've you made a bit of a mess of it uh, today. You're going to have another go at it tomorrow. And of course, you do have the tyre rules, but we'll see how that plays out for all the teams. Um, but Mercedes, um, Lewis Hamilton has stated uh, on numerous occasions, and it's you can't fault him for saying it, that this card does not suit that. Uh, you know, this card does not suit this track. And mm-hmm. I think it's been the case with a lot of their cars have not ever particularly suited this track. So while he is probably quite happy with P5, P11, uh, is not a great result for George Russell. Um, just, it wasn't even like track limits. He just didn't seem to have the pace. It was no. very strange. You know, we see him going on his final uh, qualifying lap uh, in Q2, and he's you know he's three tenths, four tenths down. He's just just not where he really needs to be. Yeah, I mean, if we we're gonna go and compare it just based on his teammate, which is what you always do, Lewis was getting had great first sectors. And George was losing out to him in the first sector. Then you, the second sector is where they had the biggest problems. Uh, and George was losing way more time in sector two than Lewis. This third sector is basically those last three turns. And you have to get off of the last turn really well to make, to make that sector work. He just looked slower. Uh, and that was the whole entire session. Um, he just looked like he was two, three tenths off, uh, Lewis, the whole entire session. And I mean, neither car looked great. Lewis was able to wring as much out of it as he could. He knows this is a consolidation race this weekend. Um, I don't know if he really thinks that they're going to be in the mix with the Astons. The Ferraris look really good for now. So this could be a very, this is a consolidation race. Get George into the points, get a few more points, try to keep themselves 
ahead of Aston Martin, uh, moving on to further races where they'll probably be a little better. Um, I mean, it's it's whatever. Uh, when when it comes to Mercedes, they're better off than where they were at the start of the season, but their car is very track specific. Um, and, uh, this isn't one of the ones that's going to work It's the same like Monaco. So, um, I'm kind of concerned about Hungary in that sense, but you know, we'll see about that here in a few weeks time. Yeah. It's it's just, it's, it's, it's always been an odd one, Austria for, for Mercedes. And it's one where even, you know, when they've been in the hunt for the championship is one that often has slipped them by either because, Red Bull were very quick, or even Ferrari were very quick. It's um, it's always plagued them as a bit of a as a tricky track. Um, and another team that you know has been a bit further away from where we've expected them to be uh, is Aston Martin. You know, you may think P six, P seven is not bad, but we're we're used to Alonso being there on the front row challenging. But no, this time he's actually behind Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll. You know before. Before this race, it was a seven to one um, qualifying battle between Alonso and Stroll, and Stroll's managed to pick one back. It's uh, I can't imagine you're having a happy Fernando um, in yeah. uh, the Aston Martin garage today. He can pick whatever Taylor Swift song he wants to pick that uh, suits him for that qualifying performance. Uh, I mean, Fred getting out qualified by Lance there on that last lap. Not the greatest thing. Um, a rare uh, off session for Fernando, but uh, it's a con- as I said with Mercedes, I think it's a little more of a consolidation deal for Aston Martin right now. Their battles with Mercedes uh, for that second in constructors. So now they're trying to figure out well, George is out in 11th, they're in 6th and 7th. If Stroll can actually get a decent start and not completely mess it up the whole entire race, they have a good chance at double points. And um, yeah, I'm sure Fernando's not happy, but uh, for what they are, where they have been, I think thinking about even last year getting both their cars in a Q3 that didn't seem like that was very likely so now that they're both in Q3 you have to take it for what it is for year by year and um i think fernando will be fine on sunday he always seems to be so um that that won't last long the uh, lance being ahead of uh fernando not to mention, as we've kind of already mentioned at times, he's it might uh, gear up Fernando to uh, to be a little bit quicker and a little bit more uh, on it tomorrow, um, so he can at least get uh, another one up on Lance. Because um, even though we've seen Fernando be so nice and so kind to Lance, he's going to be seething at the fact that he lost out. He's he's not someone who, despite whatever facade he puts on, he's not one to ever take losing to his teammate lightly. Uh, famously, of course. Yeah. Um, right. Um, but a team that, you know, came so close and we're talking less than half a tenth off Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, P2, Carlos Sainz, P3. Ferrari fans are going to be incredibly relieved to finally start seeing some good, solid qualifying pace from that Ferrari. 
Yeah, that's uh, it's a positive sign in what has been quite a uh, interesting and somewhat dark <laughs> a year on the Formula One side for Ferrari. Uh, you know, their their WEC team goes out, wins pole, and wins the twenty four hours of Le Mans. Uh, been the bright spot of the whole entire year, and. Leclerc did qualify on pole at Azerbaijan for the race, uh, but, you know, promptly fell back. This race, we'll see. He is one of the guys, him and Carlos, when they're able to have the right car under them and strategy that isn't an absolute disaster, they can actually do something, you know, like if you give them the car, they can do it. They have a very, this driver lineup is as solid as, is really solid. Yes, Leclerc makes horrendous mistakes that for somebody of his level shouldn't. Carlos is way more steady. He's not known as a great qualifier. So for him to be in third, that's a pretty big deal. Um, Leclerc is a qualifier, and I know he wanted that pull uh, to get on the clean side of the track, but We'll we'll see what happens in the race on Sunday. Of course, we're going to have a little little preview of it tomorrow, depending on what how the sprint qualifying goes. But I mean, for Ferrari and what has been a brutal year uh, for them, uh, they're they have a positive to go into Saturday with going into the sprint uh, qualifying session or practice, and then the sprint qualifying. Yeah, it's really a. Uh... A uh, good foot to um to you know push on from and uh, yeah as, as I said I think Ferrari fans will be incredibly happy you know just to not only just be up there um but to at least looking like they can compete whether or not as you said whether or not they're actually that close to Max can race pace like Charles said the Red Bulls a rocket <laughs> race it's going to be very difficult but you know. He's he's he has one round here, you know. He has done a good job, you know. There's every possibility that something out of the blue may happen, but we do have to get onto our overlords in the Formula World world uh, Red Bull. Uh, the biggest disparity between teammates in this um, in this qualifying was at Red Bull. Fourteen positions um, separate Max Verstappen, who took pole, as I said, by half a tenth, and Sergio Perez, who could not, for the life of him, keep that car on the grey <laughs> bit. <laughs> like we've heard a lot about track limits in today's qualifying, and no doubt we'll hear. A- a lot about it in the sprint qualifying tomorrow, but three times. Just take surely lifting a little bit more, breaking a tiny bit more. Yes, you're going to lose a couple of tenths, but at but least yeah. you're going to get through. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I figured I'll let you go there and see if you're going to go in on Checo, but everybody else is doing it. Uh, I mean that when you have that much pace in the car, at least. Give yourself a little bit of room. I it doesn't you don't have to in Q3, okay, fine, I get it. Q1 and Q2, like don't even bother to get anywhere near the exit curb off of 10 or whatever. I mean, it, it it's just go and give I mean, Russell was doing it and he's the car was slow. I mean, the thing is you can you can do it. And in his in that car you were going to get in the top five. 
that's the problem, you know, like that's where, you know, Marco and all these other people whining and moaning and Horner. It's like, that's a car that is a top five car in their mind. I mean, it's a, it's a rocket ship for one guy and it's a car that never is going to be good proper for the other guy. And the irony in that is like, it's, you don't, they don't have to worry about the constructors. I get it. They don't have to worry, but it's like, don't you want them to finish second in the world championship? Like, wouldn't it make more sense to go and give Checo what he needs instead of downgrading him all the time? Like, I, granted, he made mistakes. Fine, I get it. He's been he's not had a great last again month or so in qualifying, but the we already know what's going to happen. We already know who's going to win the world championship. We already know who's going to win the constructors. All that you want, Checo. If you want to say that he's your driver and you gave him an extension and all, you want him functional so that he can actually get you good points so that he can actually finish and basically be a blocker worst case for, for him. So it's like, I don't get it. It's it, I get it, but I don't get it. I mean, it's been in, but I, I also know it's just a pattern of what they've always done. And um, I don't think it would change no matter who they put in that car. Um it's a waste, honestly. Um, they'll say, well, he made those mistakes. It's on him. It's on him. And that's fine. Um, I think he's going to be hungry tomorrow to get up front and do a good race. And uh, and I think that'll be the momentum. I think he'll reset tonight, go into tomorrow as a new day, knowing that there's pace in the car, give himself the security, and get in the top 10 and see what happens. And, and, you know, it, it, it's, it, that's what he has to do. We already know what Bruce going to do. We already know what this is going to be on Sunday. But the fact is, this is more about, at this point, it's more about Checo and the whole dynamics with that and how the history of Red Bull. That's what the real story is. Everyone was going to wax poetic and all the fireworks and all the crap in the stands. But that's the story, because if they really want to have a team to compete, especially once these new regulations come along, you need to have a second driver. I mean, as much as they don't believe in that notion, the most successful teams generally do have a second driver that's functional. So, I I mean, Red Bull has never bought into that, but it's logical. And, And certain people have been able to manage it better than others. Yeah, um, it's it has always been an odd thing at uh, at Red Bull. You know, even the years when Mercedes were dominating, at least they were one to, <laughs> you know, yeah. pretty much every race. But um, you know, we saw so much from Checo. You know, early in the season, one two races, leading the world championship. People were thinking, is he? You know, is this going to be his year? Is this him going to be finally? But it's hard to see a driver that was on so much momentum just drop, and that can't just be. You know, just it can't be confidence because why would it be confidence? He was, you know, doing so well, and now he's failed to make um, Q3. Q3 four times. It's it's weird. Like um, the stat that was put on Twitter, Nico Hulkenberg has reached <laughs> yeah. Q3 more, more times than Sergio Perez. <laughs> it's just insane. Hulkenberg's in the house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's 
it's such an odd thing that's happened to Checo. And unfortunately, now he has built, he is building that pressure. He's got so many extra eyes on him for tomorrow that he just didn't need. And unfortunately, now his position is coming into question. And we've seen what even slight rumors to Gasly, to Albon in the past has done to completely knock their confidence. And are we going to be saying, you know, goodbye to Checo at the end of the season? Personally, I hope not. But We've seen Red Bull do this time and time again, and and unfortunately, it could, you know, happen once more in history. You know, those who do not learn from their mistakes, you know, have failed to, you know, repeat history. And unfortunately, Red Bull seem to be doing that every couple of years. But now we are we are over uh, with that. So we can actually get on to um, some quick predictions, Phil. Um, so. I don't know how quite far to go with this because uh, we do have a few more sessions coming up and it is Friday. It's not like the race yeah. is tomorrow. But um, we'll, as this qualifying is for the race on Sunday, we'll stick to just the race on Sunday. So give us your podium, please. Uh, podium, well, the guy who's already on pole is going to win. We already know that. Uh, I'm going to say Charles Leclerc keeps it all together, finishes second, and that Lando Norris, which can be considered my wild card, will be third with the McLaren because it's one of his best racetracks. He's feeling good. Um, I think that will be my podium, and I gave the wild card all in one shot. Perfect. Um, For me, uh, yeah, I think the front two is going to say the same of uh, Verstappen and Leclerc. Um, however, I have a, just a, some weird feeling that Hamilton is going to just find himself onto that podium, be it through strategy, be it through whatever. Um, there's a lot of rumors of rain earlier this week. I don't think they're going to come uh, to fruition. But um, yeah, Hamilton, uh, I can I can see him on the podium. And then for my bold prediction, I'm I'm going to put uh, yeah Lando on the podium and Piastri, you know nestled deep into the points um i think there's definitely potential in that mclaren and i think uh oscar will will be wanting to make sure he moves up because i think p13 is not representative of of where he was yeah so um yeah well thank you uh guys for for listening to to me and philip's uh little uh conversation today um if you did enjoy this podcast we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on spotify or five-star review on apple podcast it is really really appreciated it helps us you know grow our um podcast and it's great to hear feedback from all of you so even if you just want to leave any you know feedback on you know what we're doing here please uh, make sure you do and if you're one of the 72 people who aren't yet subscribed to this channel please consider helping us with a like and a subscribe it takes two seconds and you know it's um you always get kept up to date we of course are not just available on spotify uh spotify um Apple Music or YouTube are also available on Amazon Fire, Google Podcast, Verbal, Pocket Cast. Just search for the Formula One Grid Talk podcast and you will see our back catalogue of nearly 300 shows now, um, which is incredible. We're going to hit that goal um, over this uh, weekend. So, um, yeah, make sure to uh, check that out. Um, 
Also, please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get better mics, lights, and better recording equipment, and also allow us to do stuff like what we're doing on Sunday uh, with our live show in Manchester um, more often so those events can happen. Um, But yeah, we will be back tomorrow with our review of the sprint race. We'll be live on Sunday with our review of the Austrian Grand Prix. So thank you. Phil, uh, for joining me, um, you are from, Thank you. from the Grinch podcast. So feel free to uh, to plug and let us know where we can find more from you. Yeah, the GSP were on uh, all places you can find podcasts. You can find the Gripster podcast. We have a Gripster podcast YouTube page where my co-host Josh, a fine former um, contributor on this show. Uh, goes and handles that end of it, the video side and the audio side during the show itself. So one of my good buddies. And um, so you can watch the live, the, like the, the feed of our show itself. And then you can find the show on all the different platforms. You can find it also at philipgmatthew.com, which is my blog site. Um, the GSP, uh, we talk about all things motorsports. If it goes fast, we talk about it on the Grip Strip podcast. That's the way I always talk about it. So we'll be talking about F1. We have a unique way of presenting F1 these days on our show compared to other shows. Uh, we'll be talking about IndyCar, NASCAR, motorsports in America, North America, motorsports around the world. We cover it. We try to do as much as we can in our show and get it all in one uh, big uh, show in one piece there. So if you want to like and subscribe, we always are looking for more followers and more subscribers, more listeners. Um, and yeah, it's always good to be on Grid Talk. Uh, it was cool. Louis, we just had a two person show that was nice and smooth and easy and quick. Uh, and uh, thanks to Aiden, as always, for his great work. And um, thanks to you for a great job hosting. And um, yeah, we'll uh, I'll be a avid watcher on Sunday for sure during the the live grid talk. I'm probably putting in uh, inappropriate comments in the in the feed to see if somebody will actually read them. So um, thanks for all you're doing and for everybody on the crew. Thank you very much for coming on, Phil. So, guys, thank you uh, so much for listening. This has been the Grid Talk po- uh, Grid Talk podcast presented by bet online thank you and goodbye